A very merry and blessed Christmas to each of you in the name of Jesus. So, this is the Starbucks Holiday Cup that debuted back in November. Maybe you've enjoyed your favorite brew in a cup just such as this. It comes in red and it comes in white. Hmm, it's empty. Or is it? Hmm. Well, at any rate, note just not what's on the cup, but what's on the sleeve of the cup. You know what's on the sleeve of the cup, what it says? Give good. Hence the title of the message today. This is really what Christmas is all about, isn't it? Giving good, and not just to uh, loved ones and friends. It's much bigger than that, as most things with God usually are. The Lord God is the ultimate gift giver. He's the one who gives what is truly good. And what's truly good is God's gift of his only begotten son, Jesus, the word made flesh, whose birth we celebrate on this blessed day. So based on that gospel reading from John chapter 1 for Christmas Day, the theme for preaching is give good borrowing that Starbucks slogan. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. As this Reformation 500 anniversary year draws to a close, only this past week I finished reading this almost 500-page uh, book. Took me a long time to get through it. Uh, in, released just this year, entitled Martin Luther, The Man Who Rediscovered God and Changed the World by Eric Metaxas. It's an awesome book, and I encourage you to uh, get it and read it yourself. In it, Metaxas writes about how it was Christmas in the year 1545 and Luther's life was quickly drawing to a close. He would die less than two months later on February 18, 1546. And he preached the following as part of a Christmas sermon that year in 1545. Never one to mince words, the aging reformer blasts not only the people of Bethlehem, but the people of Wittenberg of his day. Here goes. The inn was full. No one would release a room to this peasant woman. She had to go to a cow stall and there bring forth the maker of all creatures because nobody would give way. Shame on you, wretched Bethlehem. The inn ought to have been burned with brimstone. Even though Mary had been a beggar maid or unwed, anybody at such a time should have been glad to lend her a hand. There are many of you in this congregation who think to yourselves, if only I had been there, how quick I would have been to help the baby. I would have washed his linen. How happy I would have been to go with the shepherds to see the Lord lying in the manger. Yes, you would. You say that because you know how great Christ is, but if you had been there at that time, you would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. Childish and silly thoughts are these. Why don't you do it now? 
You have Christ in your neighbor. You ought to serve him or her for what you do to your neighbor in need, you do to the Lord Christ himself. There you have it. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Martin Luther. Because God does indeed give good and has given the gift beyond all gifts, his son Jesus, the word made flesh who came and dwelt among us, how can we adequately express our thanks to God? Here's the thing. The Lord doesn't need our gifts and our offerings, but our neighbor does. And that is Luther's point. Faith must make itself known in humble and loving service to our neighbor. As Jesus points out in his parable of the Good Samaritan, our neighbor is defined as whoever needs our help, no matter who that person may be, not just those who look like us or dress like us or talk like us or who are nice to us. This is what mission practice number four in joining Jesus on his mission is all about. What is the good we can do around here? Because God has given good to us beyond measure, how can we but do the same to those around us? Not only in this Christmas season, but at all times. Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for us all, he calls us to humble and loving service to our neighbor. John's Gospel does not contain the same warm and familiar account of Jesus' birth that Luke's Gospel does. No mention of Mary or Joseph, no word about angel messengers or the manger in Bethlehem, none of this. Instead, what John does record is how the eternal Word of God, who brought all of creation into existence, now took on human flesh and blood to become the Word made flesh who came and dwelt among us. As Eugene Peterson's rendering of scripture in The Message records it, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> Jesus is that word who became flesh and blood and he's moved into the neighborhood of this world and the neighborhood of our lives. Not to condemn not to convict, but to save and to redeem. This is why Jesus came. And that is mighty important to remember. Jesus' name is who he is. As the angel told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus equals Savior. Now that's 
giving good. This past week and the days leading up to Christmas, I got an email from a man who wrote the following. Several years ago, my wife and I took our three-year-old granddaughter to a recreated Bethlehem walk at a local church. We see those around, right? We walked through the displays of artisans and families recreating life in first century Bethlehem. We stopped at an animal petting pen where my granddaughter marveled at goats and sheep and donkeys. Finally, we arrived at the last display, which was the manger scene with Mary, Joseph, and the baby. As people gathered around, the pastor began to share about the gift of Christ. I leaned over to my bundled-up granddaughter, whom I was holding, and said, See, there's baby Jesus. But she yelled out, I want to see the goat! I was so embarrassed, I again tempted her, attempted to get her to focus on Jesus, but once again she yelled out, I want to see the goat! <laughs> Voices will come from those you love and those you don't love so much. Voices will sound urgent and anxious. They will be loud, or they may be subtle, and many of us will scurry off just to quiet the voices. My prayer is that you do not hurry so much that you miss the Christ child. Everything else is just a goat. With so much unrest and turmoil going on in our world at present, it's easy to overlook God's gift to us and miss the Christ child. Racial prejudice and bigotry that are no longer just lurking in the shadows somewhere, but they're out in the open as we have seen. Rising threat of nuclear warfare disaster upon disaster that decimates life and property, the ever-growing busyness, anxiety, and distraction of modern life. Can we see the Christ, the Word made flesh, in the midst of all of these? Hugh Kerr was a Presbyterian minister in this country who wrote the following poem in the midst of the dark days of World War II. I cannot see the Christ child for the soldiers marching past. I cannot hear the angels for the bugle's angry blast. But I know the bells are ringing and that faith and hope are clinging to the day when love shall crown the world at last. I cannot see the Christ child for the smoke is in my eyes. I cannot hear the shepherds for the little children's cries. But I know the bells are ringing and I think I hear the singing of the day when peace, like morning dawn, shall rise. 
I cannot see the Christ child, for the clouds hang dark and low. I cannot hear the wise men, for the conflict rages so. But I know the bells are ringing and that Christmas morn is bringing in the golden day foretold so long ago. On this Christmas day, we rejoice in God's giving good to us in Jesus, the Word made flesh. Let us now go forth to give good to our neighbor. A very merry and blessed Christmas to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And the God of peace himself, sanctify you wholly, your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.